Tactical sports take. Inbound. Who the fuck is that guy? Beat him off. Stomp on his head as he's unconscious. Five-tool commentator. <laughs> he's the Willie Mays of sports <laughs> broadcasting. It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Owen Ely Show. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome into the show, everyone. We got a great one for you today here on this Friday, December 10th, as we look to preview UFC 269 Oliveira versus Poirier, which will take place tomorrow at the T Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, as always, great to be back with you guys. We got a great preview show for you uh, today. And yeah, not much more uh, else to say other than that. Just very happy to be back and doing shows uh, regularly. And uh, you know, last last pay per view of the uh, of the year. So you know, it's been a very fun, very exciting 2021 for the UFC. And you know, hopefully, this is the nice capstone we get to a uh, yet another tremendous, tremendous year for uh, the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Um. Man, I'm I'm really in the mood to preview some fights. Uh, we're expected to get about a foot of snow here uh, in Minneapolis, so I, I can't wait to be snowed in tomorrow. Uh, you know, drink several cups of coffee and just enjoy uh, a great night of uh, fights through only the most legal methods. Um, so very very uh, excited for this. We'll have the main card showdown tomorrow. Don't really give a shit about that. Um, updated rankings we uh just excuse me we just finished our preview our written preview uh for ufc 269 so go check that out at northstarsports.media uh it'll be all over our social media sites and uh we'll start working on uh 2021 awards obviously there's still a fight night after this next week so on the 17th we'll we'll have the awards uh, for fighter of the year and rookie of the year and knockout of the year and, and things like that. So that's exciting. I see some people, I saw that the, the year end awards happened. Don't know how you can do that with two events left. So that's, uh, that's kind of crazy. It's kind of wild, but, um, we'll do ours, uh, at the appropriate time. So without further ado, let's get right into this preview. Obviously we'll start here in the uh, well, for the lightweight championship of the world, obviously it's the main event. Uh, it's Charles Oliveira taking on the number one contender, Dustin Poirier. Oliveira 31 and 8, Poirier 28 and 6. Uh, we'll take a look at the odds for this one. And uh, Odds Shark is going to have uh, Dustin Poirier as the minus 150 favorite. Uh, I gotta say, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised Poirier is the, the favorite. Um, seems uh, appropriate to me, uh, but you know should be a, a great fight stylistically. Um, uh, you know, not not the greatest because I'll get to what I think the greatest. Actually, I'll, there's no there's no need to even spoil it. I actually I actually think Poirier would match up, or excuse me, Oliveira would match up with Justin Gaethje a lot more interestingly. Um, 
Obviously, it's it's kind of a meme at this point, you know, to talk about Dustin Poirier's resume. We know how great his resume is. Uh, you know, he's won, what, nine of his last ten. I mean, you look at his last uh, 10, 11 fights, it's as tough as it gets. His only loss is to uh, Khabib. You know, he's beat Connor twice, Dan Hooker in, in a war, Holloway, Alvarez, Gaethje, Pettis. Probably would have beat Alvarez uh, twice, uh, if, if not for that no contest. So, you know, we know we know Dustin Poirier's the man. Um, doesn't do anything flashy, very solid fundamentals, great striker. Uh, better striker than Charles Oliveira, but I don't I don't think by much. I think the gap between Oliveira and Poirier is pretty small when it comes to striking. Obviously, you got to give it to Dustin, but what's allowed Charles Oliveira to become champion, what's allowed him to go on this nine-fight winning streak, number one, is moving up. He never... Well, I shouldn't say he never should have been at 145. He, he was very young when he came to the UFC, but smart move to move up to 155, and then the improvements in striking is is what has gotten it done for Oliveira. He's always been elite on the ground, but you know we saw with another fighter on this card, Ryan Hall, that only can take you so far. You can't be a one-trick pony no matter how good that trick is in the UFC, and Oliveira has progressed into being a very well-rounded fighter. And he knocked out Justin Gaethje, something, or uh, Michael Chandler, something that Justin Gaethje couldn't do in 15 minutes. So, you know, he's a, he's a well-rounded fighter. I think he will um, handle handle himself in, in the striking exchanges. He might lose more exchanges than, than he wins. But, uh, like I said, the gap is small between their striking, but it's a large gap on the ground. And I think, um, I think Oliveira, at some point in the fight, is going to bring Dustin Poirier to the ground, and I, th- I think he will choke him out. I, I have it happening in round four. Uh, I-, I think Oliveira uh, chokes him out. I think he chokes him out. Um, you-, you-, you talk about winning by decision. You know, I-, I see some people saying, you know, if it goes to a decision, it probably favors Poirier. You know, I'm not so sure about that. I think I think Oliveira really can win this fight uh, any way he wants any way he wants. It's, it's going to be an uphill battle, battle to finish him with striking, but I think he could finish Poirier with striking. Uh, he, he could choke him out, but, you know, look at what he did to Tony Ferguson. He was the boogeyman of the division. Tony's very well-rounded, a great boxer, great on the ground, just an all-around crazy guy, and he, he, he ended up winning a decision. He won all the ground exchanges. He won all the striking exchanges. So, you know, if it goes 25 minutes... I'm not going to say it favors either fighter, but I could easily see Oliveira winning via decision. Doesn't he doesn't have to get the finish to win? Um, whereas as Dustin, I would be incredibly shocked if he choked him out. If he knocked him out, you know, it, it, it would make sense. But you know, I just think Oliveira has more ways to win. Poirier has more ways to lose, and and they're both good fighters. So um, you know, when, when when you put it like that, you know, I got to go with uh, Charles Oliveira. Uh, choking out Dustin Poirier in round four, and you know he's gonna be the he's gonna be the bigger guy in there, two inch reach advantage. So you know maybe if he can, you know, kind of establish a jab, maybe maybe he can, you know, try his best to neutralize uh, Dustin Poirier. Uh, you know, two inches isn't the craziest uh, gap in the world, but you know I I, I really think uh, Oliveira is gonna get his respect. You know I think Poirier. Uh, over you know the last couple of fights has really earned his respect, you know, and, and certainly has been paid in full. But I think it's time for Oliveira to get paid in full. He's the champ. People are doubting him. He's the underdog. But 
uh, Oliveira is going to come out on top, and then that's going to set up a great matchup against uh, Justin Gaethje, which should be uh, very, very fun. All right, we're going to move on to the co-main event. It's going to be for the Women's Bantamweight Championship of the World between Amanda Nunes and Juliana Pena. Nunes 21-4, and four, Pena uh, number three, according to North Star Sports. She's going to be 10-4. And, four. and uh, Nunes minus 950 favorite, according to Bovada. I just checked, I rechecked the odds, and now she's a minus 1,000 favorite. Uh, and uh, actually, wait a minute. Do I have that right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, my bad. Yeah, <laughs> I get I get messed up on odds. Yeah, she's a minus one thousand favorite. Pena's the biggest underdog uh, on the card, and I, I just I can't I can't see how Pena wins. You know, I said it in the preview. Uh, I think if Pena wins, that would be a bigger upset than when Holly Holm knocked out Ronda Rousey at UFC 193. It would be a major, major upset. I just don't see how she does it. Um, Nunez is a far better striker. Lands at the end of her punches. She's going to maintain distance really well. I don't know how you get close on Amanda Nunez. That's the, I'd be impressed if she got close enough to, to grab her. And Pena, Pena's a ground fighter. She's a ground fighter. You know, you look at her significant strikes landed and absorbed. It's, it's good. It's 2.8. It's 1.7. Like I said, the stats are not bad for Juliana Pena, but she's lost two of her last four. So she, she split her last four. And... She, she's just next in line for the title. That's all it is. I don't think she earned this title shot. She's on a one-fight winning streak. She beat Sarah McMahon. You know, it's just someone Nunez has never faced before, and, and that's why it's getting done. Um, and, and again, you know, she's a ground fighter, so it's kind of like Islam Makachev in a way, although the, it's, it's better for Islam. But it's like though the, the 2.8 to 1.7 is not her kickboxing. It's not her standing there. That's her controlling someone on the ground and landing strikes. So it's a little disingenuous when you look at stats like that for a ground fighter because it's not them standing and trading and landing these numbers. It's it's everything, which a lot of it is the is the ground game for Pena, which fair enough, but I, you know, I figured I'd, I'd point that out. Um, Nunez, 4.5 to 2.45 significant strikes landed uh, per minute, 57% defense. And again, that's against the toughest schedule we've ever seen on the female side of things. I mean, nobody's had a tougher schedule than Amanda Nunes, and nobody's had a better stretch than Amanda Nunes. 12-fight winning streak. She's beat Chevchenko twice, Misha Tate, Sarah McMahon, uh, obviously Ronda Rousey, Cyborg, Holly Holm, Jermaine Durandamy made very short work of uh, uh, Megan Anderson. So I, I don't think Pena will have anything. It's not a question of whether or not Amanda Nunes will win. You know, freezing cold, take me if I'm wrong, and, and if I'm wrong, then fucking fair play. Uh, you know, but I, I have no idea how Pena wins this fight. It's not if Amanda Nunes will win, it's how she wins, and I think she'll get it done fairly early round two knockout. Striking is going to be way too much for Pena. If the fight goes to the ground, hey, maybe we'll see. I would still favor Amanda Nunes on the ground because she's no slouch on the ground uh, and, and very active on the ground. 84% takedown defense as well, so fucking good luck trying to take Amanda Nunez down <laughs> and uh, you know it'll be interesting if Amanda Nunez wants to prove a point and wants to take down Pena I don't know why she would other than to prove a point because I think she's so much better uh, as a striker but Pena has 23% takedown defense that's some of the worst takedown defense I've ever seen 
and Amanda Nunez 53% takedown offense. So if she wants to take her down and choke her out to to prove a point, I, I think she could. I just think you know it's you're getting into a you're storming the beaches of Normandy with a fucking squirt gun. I mean that's truly how I feel about this fight. I mean it's. I, I don't think I can make it any more clear that Juliana Pena is going to be completely outclassed. But I think the best outcome... The, the, the best outcome might be Pena winning, because then there's at least some parity. At least there's something to talk about in this division. But, you know, that's wishful thinking. Nunes is going to make pretty easy work of the Venezuelan vixen. All right, moving on to the featured main card uh, bout. It's going to be between number 12, Jeff Neal, and Santiago Ponzinibbio. Neal is 13-4, and four, Ponzinibbio 28-4. and four. Uh, We'll take a look at the odds here in Ponzinibbio, the slight minus 125 favorite, according to Bovada. Um, you know, the, the, the UFC is generally very deliberate, deliberate when it comes to uh, card placement. Uh, sometimes there's some glaring glaring mistakes this one is not one of them i could see why they put it here uh clear fight of the night contender uh and, and should be a barn burner i mean jeff neal hands of steel uh he, he's he's a good striker good not great good not great uh striker good power but ponzinibbio has power and he's a far more polished striker than jeff neal in my estimation um, I don't know how the ground game figures into this one. I don't know how the clinch figures into this one. Um, and, and quite frankly, I don't know who would win in those areas, but I think it's a little irrelevant. I think we're in for a stand-up battle here over 15 minutes. And I, I really like Ponzinibbio. Um, you know, he's, he's coming off of that war against Miguel Baeza, uh, fight of the year contender. I don't know if it'll win it, but certainly a fight of the year uh, contender. And... It's easy to forget how good Ponzinibbio was, uh, slash is. You know, he was on a, a seven-fight winning streak, knocked out Neil Magny in his home country, and then had that terrible stretch of, of injuries that kind of kept him out for uh, two and a half years, and he kind of got forgotten in a very deep uh, and top-heavy welterweight division. But Ponzinibbio was kind of like the Tony Ferguson of that division. Tony Ferguson light. Obviously, he didn't do as much as Tony did uh, in the lightweight division. But, you know, he really kind of was the boogeyman uh, of that division. And uh, nobody wanted to fight him. And, you know, he's, he's, he's very dangerous, very powerful. He came back after that two-and-a-half-year layoff and got knocked out by uh, Lee Jianling, who's a... Who's, you know, who's, who's a good fighter, an active fighter, more importantly, and it's, I don't want to take anything away from the uh, the fighter from China, but I think it's kind of a fluke loss. Now that Ponzinibbio is more active, I like it. I think he can get the momentum rolling again. And, you know, we've, we've seen limitations in Jeff Neal's game. You know, we saw it in the, in, the, in the Wonderboy Thompson fight. Certainly in that fight, he was out, completely outclassed. And in the Magni fight as well, I mean, if he doesn't land big strikes, I don't really know what he adds. He's he's not particularly accurate. He's moderately active, but he gets hit more than he lands. Uh, and you know he doesn't really add a whole lot in the you know in 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 in, in the ground game or, or clinch or anything like that. So it's really you know I don't know either either he, he steamrolls somebody or gets into a war you know i think if ponzinibbio i think ponzinibbio is well equipped jesus lord excuse me i think he's well equipped 
to uh, win a war against Jeff Neal, but I, I don't think he'll have to, and I think it'll actually suit Ponzinibbio better if he just stays really technical and kind of picks him apart because Jeff Neal is very pick-apartable, <laughs> and uh, we've seen that over over the last uh, eight rounds that, that uh, you know, he's fought. He hasn't won since December of 2019, which is kind of crazy to think. I mean, uh, you know, he hasn't won in two years, so... I, I like Pons Nibio in this one. I, I think over 15 we maybe get a finish. Certainly possible we get a finish in this fight, but, uh, you know, Neil's, Neil's durable. He hasn't ever been finished uh, inside the UFC, so um, I, I think it goes the distance, but I think it's a pretty clear victory for uh, Santiago Pons Nibio. All right, moving on. Still on the main card, we'll have the flyweight debut of Cody Garbrandt as he takes on the number five flyweight contender Kai Kara France, or France, excuse me. Kara uh, France is 22 and nine. Garbrandt 12 and four. We'll take a look at the odds. Cody Garbrandt, the uh, slight minus 145 favorite here. Um. Really good matchmaking. I really, I really like it. It's very purposeful matchmaking. Cody Garbrandt going down to flyweight. If he beats Kara France, he's an immediate title con- contender. Probably gets a title shot if he beats Kara France. And, and for Kara France, it's a big name, and that's kind of what what you need. Uh, you know, he's an exciting fighter. Um, you know, he, he's he's split two of his last four, so it's not like he's on a crazy winning streak, but he's he's up there. And a win over Cody Garbrandt would would you know do him uh, do him good. He's actually four inches shorter than Cody Garbrandt, but he's going to have nearly a four inch reach advantage on No Love, who has uh, T Rex arms. Um, it, it's it's really tough. Cody Cody says he feels good. He looks like Conor McGregor at 145. He looks completely depleted. He looks like an absolute skeleton. If he says he feels fine. I'll believe him. He looks terrible. He looks absolutely terrible. I, you know, I, you know, I, I trust that he's done it correctly, and I, I don't believe he's going to be depleted, uh, you know, uh, uh, on Saturday. But I think there's bigger problems for Cody Garbrandt than weight class, and a lot of people want to make it seem like this is a, a fix-all for Cody Garbrandt. This, this doesn't fix technically why Cody is, is not where he wants to be. It's, it's just a fresh coat of paint. All the, problems he, all the problems that he had at bantamweight are still there. You have to fix the actual problem. The only thing this does is it wipes the slate clean. Hey, you're in a new division. That's all it is. Like, he still has to fix the, the fact that he got boxed up by Rob Font. He could, e- he could easily get boxed up by, by Kai Kara France. I'm not predicting that's what's going to happen, but like technically, technically, <laughs> you know, you didn't fix anything. You didn't fix anything. Um, I really, I really liked him in in the um, a Sun Sao fight, how he was very, very patient. But I, I think he needs to find a middle ground. You know, we saw in the and maybe, maybe even if even if he fought his best fight, maybe he still loses to T.J. Dillashaw. That's a possibility. But there has to be a middle ground between just sitting there and getting pieced up by uh, Rob Font and being overly aggressive and getting knocked out in in the fights against Munoz and Dillashaw. And he he needs to figure it out quickly because he's lost four of his last five, the Asun knockout, amazing knockout, very cool, but you got to win in this business. It's not enough to just have a great knockout. And uh, so I'm concerned, and I'll be watching this fight very closely. 
Uh, he's going to be the faster fighter. He's going to be the more powerful fighter. But uh, I don't know if technically he's the, he's the, the, the better fighter. Um, that, that being said, and it might be wishful thinking, I think Cody No Love is going to win this fight. And I think he wins in first round. In, in, in uh the, in the first round, I think he wins via first round knockout. Uh, you know, I, th- I think he just has a vintage performance. I think he comes out uh, aggressive and uh, he swarms Kara France, and and I think he looks for the knockout. I think you want to make a statement when you come to a new division, and I, I think he'll make the most of the opportunity. I think he's a more special fighter than Kara France. That doesn't mean you're you're gonna win if you're more talented, but you know there's something innate in Cody that makes him a great fighter and I think he'll be uh, thoroughly thoroughly motivated and, and and I think he will make a big statement uh, on Saturday night all right moving on to the main card opener it's going to be in the bantamweight division between Sean O'Malley and Howley and Paiva O'Malley 14 and 1 Paiva 21 and 3 taking a look at the odds for this one, O'Malley, a pretty heavy favorite, minus 335, according to Bovada. Um, it's it's a step up in competition for Sean O'Malley, but again, you know, him calling himself the unranked champ, you know, they're they're really taking their time with him, and I um, I don't like it. it. It it's it's reminiscent of boxing. I don't really like, uh, you know, just keep feeding him guys outside of the rankings uh you you don't get that luxury other fighters don't get that luxury so i don't uh i don't understand why they they keep doing this um paiva's the 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 b side in this it's he's he's a fair roadblock but uh i think he's going to get worked over by sean o'malley i think it's it's going to be tougher than mutinho it's going to be tougher than almeida you know paiva has been ranked but paiva Pive is a flyweight. Pive is a flyweight who couldn't weight cut properly. So it's it's another smaller guy. Although uh, he's only going to be well, O'Malley's pretty fucking tall. But Pive is five foot eight, so he's not small. But he's he's clearly a a, a, a flyweight. I, I think O'Malley's going to be way too powerful for him. O'Malley's just a really good striker. He's calm. He picks a shot. He doesn't force anything. I think he's going to win in round three via a knockout um a signature knockout uh he's just so much more talented than paiva um i'll probably be rooting for paiva but you know it's it's i'd be surprised if paiva wins this fight he's not going to win with uh with striking that's for sure and paiva's not really a finisher you know he's he's not really a finisher so uh, trying to win a decision against o'malley that's pretty tough. I, I I would say if he could if if he wins, it's probably going to be via a slick submission or something. But uh, you know, I, I think O'Malley's going to be too much, and I think we need a step up in competition for Sean O'Malley. All right, moving on to the prelim headliner. It'll be in the featherweight division between Josh Emmett and Dan Ige. Emmett sixteen and two, Ige fifteen and four. Taking a look at the rankings here. Uh, Emmett comes in at number six, Dan Ige at number nine. Looking at the odds for this one, Ige, uh, the, uh, the slight underdog, plus 35 underdog, Emmett, the minus 135 favorite. Um, really a fight that's going under the radar, but, you know, it's the prelim headliner. I could easily see this kind of uh, stealing some headlines on, on Sunday morning. I mean, this 
very easily could be a fight of the night. These two fighters are very similar uh, in my mind. They're both uh, wrestlers. Uh, Emmett, uh, I believe he was a collegiate wrestler. Uh, Ige, I guess BJJ. So they're both they're both ground guys, but they're both uh, hard hitting. We saw what Emmett did to Johnson. We saw what Ige did to Gavin Tucker. So they're they're wrestlers. Uh, with with good power who like to strike and and uh, they like to move forward so uh, they're they're kind of direct parallels in in a, in a lot of ways the stats are pretty similar between these two fighters um, I, I like Ige more and I like that he's more active obviously Emmett Torres ACL coming off of an 18 month layoff here had a really nice win over uh, Shane Burgos back in uh, what was it June of 2020 but uh, I, I like 50K. I mean, 50K is not coming off of a massive injury. He's six years younger, and he's had three fights uh, since Emmett has last fought. So I really like Ige. He's going to have his timing down. Uh, this is his third fight this year. You know, yeah, he lost to the, the Korean zombie, zombie, but he's always a dog, and, and Emmett's a dog as well. As well. So it's both going to be maximum effort. Um, should be a really, really nice fight, but I don't think it's going to go the way for Josh Emmett. I think Ige probably gets the win, but Emmett, Emmett, it's kind of do or die for Emmett because at 36, I mean, he's he's kind of a grandpa. That's pretty old to be a title contender, and he's he's running, he's slowly running out of time, and and the injury really didn't help. Uh, and it, it was a it was an awesome win over Burgos, so he might have challenged for the title by now if he would have been healthy. You know, go out and get a win or two, and. Maybe maybe he would he would fight Volkanovski and he'd, he kind of would match up pretty interestingly against Volkanovski because Volkanovski is kind of another guy who's uh, in that in that sort of mold or at least skill set. But you know I like Dan Ige, um, and I, th- I think he wins by decision. I don't think he finishes Josh Emmett, and I'm gonna say he wins by split decision because I- I'm gonna bet you this fight's gonna be pretty fucking close. Uh, so yeah, Dan Ige by split decision. Moving on, uh, prelim co-main event, if we want to call it that. We'll have a uh, battle of two top 15 bantamweights. Pedro Munoz taking on the Dominator, Dominic Cruz. Pedro Munoz, 19-6. and six, Cruz, 23-3. and three. Pedro Munoz, number 9. Dominic Cruz, number 11. Taking a look at the odds here, the, uh, they'll have it as a pick'em. It's a pick'em. Although, technically, Munoz is minus 115, Cruz 105. Um... Very, very interesting fight. Uh, you know, I, I'm. I love a lot of the fights on this card. If if you couldn't tell, I I'm so excited for this uh, fight card to happen. I love Dominic Cruz. He's one of my favorite fighters. I'm glad that he's more active. I'm glad that he's healthy, and uh, I think he matches up really nicely against Pedro Munoz. Dominic Cruz has that certain figure eight kind of herky jerky style that uh, is a fucking nightmare for fighters because you you don't see it anywhere else other than Dominic Cruz. Nobody else does it. As far as I know, I don't scour the fucking regionals, but nobody does it like Dominic Cruz, just a, a legend of the sport, a real G. And, um, you know, he, he's, he's one of those fighters. There's kind of very few fighters that if you watch a silhouette, a black silhouette of how Dominic Cruz fights, you could instantly tell it's Dominic Cruz. And, and you know, there's there's kind of very few fighters that you can, you can do that with. I mean, you could do that with Michael Venom Page, you could do it with uh, Wonderboy Thompson, uh, probably Anderson. You could do that with. Um, 
maybe maybe Connor, maybe Connor just because of his capoeira kind of loosey goosey style. But I mean, Dominic Cruz is one of one. I mean, he's he's a special guy. I really like Pedro Munoz, and I've kind of been riding the Pedro Munoz train for for quite some time. You know, speaking his praise uh, even before the Cody Garbrandt fight. But you know, he's he's kind of running into some 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 trouble here because Pedro Munoz is a great fighter and nobody is going to skate by him. It's always a tough night at the office when you're fighting Pedro Munoz. He's short, he's stout, he's powerful. Uh he, he he's good on the he's good on the ground, but um you know, he's he's a real move forward in your face type of fighter, brawler you could even call him, although you know, there's certainly technique with with the madness, but uh, it's it's gonna it's gonna be tough, but I think Dominic Cruz is very well suited, uh, certainly defensively, to take on Pedro Munoz. He's he's fought many Pedro Munozes. Pedro Munoz doesn't do anything that a lot of fighters don't do. That's not to diminish how great of a fighter he is, because he is a great fighter. But he's a very traditional Brazilian who's good at BJJ, who you know has power in in, in his hands. You know what I mean? So he, he's, he's a very, you know, meat and potatoes type of guy, which I can very, uh, very much respect. He's also the nicest motherfucker in the game, too. I love Pedro Munoz. Just a real nice class act. Great guy. But, uh, you know, I, I think Dominic Cruz is... Dominic Cruz, if, if anybody has seen the most meat and potatoes, you know, in, in, in the bantamweight division, in, in, in the history of bantamweights in MMA, it's, it's Dominic Cruz, and I, th- I think he gets it done vintage Dom Cruz style and then I think you know it sets up for a nice matchup between uh, Jose Aldo and Dominic Cruz I would fucking love to see that I really hope Dom wins so I can see uh, him him fight Jose Aldo but I'm um, for as much as I want Dominic to win I'm not going to be rooting against Pedro Munoz may the best man win and I truly mean that in this fight because you can't nobody if anybody roots against Pedro Munoz you're a fucking cockhead Pedro Munoz is just he, he's the man. What a great guy. Got fucked over in that Frankie Edgar fight. Totally won that fight. And uh, very underappreciated and in a very deep and, and ever-growing bantamweight division. I mean, a division that truly, it would do it justice to, to rank it 1 through 25. It, you know, it, it really would. Uh, all right, we're going to move on. Uh, still on the prelims here, the, the second prelims, not the early prelims. Uh, we'll have a heavyweight fight between Augusto Sakai and Tai Tuivasa. Sakai 15-3-1, Tuivasa 13-3. Sakai uh, number 12 and Tuivasa number 14. We'll take a look at the odds, and it's a pick em, straight pick 'em, 110. But uh, not a pick em in my mind. Certainly not a pick em in my mind. Two fighters going in two different directions. Augusto Sakai, two-fight losing streak. Uh, Shui Vasa, three-fight winning streak, all three wins coming in the first round. Um, I I don't really like Augusto Sakai. I don't really think he's that good of a fighter. I don't I don't really get it. He's he's a big lumbering guy at six uh, three. Certainly does not look like an athlete. Um, but the, his body does not tell the whole story. Um, he, he's. He's been finished in his last two fights, but he's he's fairly durable. Honestly, he's fairly durable. Um, kind of looks like Shrek, to be honest with you, the Brazilian Shrek. But you know, got exposed by Overeem and and knocked out pretty quickly by Rosenstrike. And I think uh, I think Tuivasa is just as powerful as Rosenstrike, but 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 
he's going to be way more aggressive than, than Rosenstrike. I mean, Tui Vasa will tr- sit there and trade. And at heavyweight, everyone has power. I don't doubt that uh, Augusto Sakai has power. I mean, he finished uh, Marcin Tabura in under a minute. You know, but I, I don't really get the appeal of Augusto Sakai. I really need to see him I- improve. I, I've just been, you know, it, it's cool. You know, he had a cool rise. Uh, you know, f- uh, what was it, a six-fight winning streak? You know, you're winning against, you know, Chibura and Ivanov and Arlovsky. But when the rubber met the road and he was in main events and when he was fighting top guys, he just kind of folded. I So I don't I don't think he's going to have too much success against Shui Vasa, although anything can happen at heavyweight. But I think Ty knocks him out. I don't think it's going to be a fourth consecutive first-round knockout. I think it'll take take place in round number two. But there's just something different about Tui Vasa really making the most of his second tenure here in the UFC. And the motherfucker's only 28 years old. I mean, Jesus, heavyweights can fight till they're 43. So, you know, maybe maybe we were, maybe it was a little too premature the first time around for Tui Vasa, the first rise up. But I think he's learned something. He's learned something the, the, the second time around. All right, moving on. We'll have a middleweight fight here between Bruno Silva, not the flyweight, the middleweight between, uh, well, Jesus, Bruno Silva and Jordan Wright. Silva's going to be uh, 26 and 1, Jordan Wright 12 and 1. Uh, neither fighters are ranked. Um, kind of an interesting fight to pick here. So, Silva, he's had two appearances in the UFC, two wins, uh, knocked out uh, Wellington Terman. And then gets the win over uh, Andrew Sanchez. Um, kind of struggled in that Sanchez fight. And Sanchez is a, is a tricky fighter. I, I, I kind of wish he was still in the UFC, but they cut him after that fight. Uh, Jordan Wright won, won two or three, got knocked out pretty badly by Joaquin Buckley. But uh, in, in his two wins, he's kind of made short work of his opponents. Had a nice win over Jamie Pickett in 64 seconds. And knocked out uh, Ike Villanueva in 90 seconds. So, you know, Jordan Wright, he's got good finishing ability. Uh, same same with Silva. So, you know, it wouldn't shock me if there was an early finish in this fight. I actually think it's going to go to a decision. Bruno Silva, you look at the stats, significant strike differential is north of three per minute for Silva. That's going to spell doom for, uh, for, for Jordan Wright. Might give him Uh, A little bit of trouble because he's kind of a weird karate-style fighter. I don't know if Silva's ever fought anybody like that, so maybe that will make it a little tricky, but, uh, you know, the stats don't lie. Silva uh, looking pretty good through his his limited UFC uh, appearances, and I I like him to get the job done via decision because i got to pick some decisions. All right, moving on. Speaking of another talented Brazilian, we'll have Andre Muniz taking on Eric Anders. Muniz 21 and 4, Anders 14 and 5. We'll take a look at the odds for this one and Muniz only going to be the slight minus 145 favorite. Uh, this is the early prelim headliner. It was originally supposed to be Andre Muniz and Drikus Duplessis, which would have been fucking amazing. I think Drikus Duplessis is a fucking future middleweight title challenger. That dude is amazing. So Andre Muniz is should be counting his lucky stars that he's not going to get knocked out, at least now. At least not Saturday by Drikus Duplessis because that dude is a monster. A fucking monster. Um, 
Moon is kind of a guy I never really um, took recognition of uh, until he uh, got the uh, arm bar on Jacare Souza back in May. Uh, just a sickening arm snapping arm bar on Jacare Souza. Uh, and, and sometimes that's what you need. He was on a good winning streak before then. Winning streaks don't really mean shit if you don't beat good fighters. Nobody really recognizes winning streaks unless you beat notable names, and he beat a notable name, and, you know, that's just what he needs to jumpstart his career. That's, you know, exactly, exactly what he needs. Um, so he's not fighting Duplessis. He's fighting a former University of Alabama linebacker, Eric Anders, your boy, who I'm a fan of. I like Eric Anders. I saw him at the UFC, at the infamous excuse me, the infamous UFC Minneapolis card back in June of 2019, where he knocked the fucking piss out of Vinicius Mejeda. Um, but I, I, I think Muniz is going to be too much for, for Eric Anders. For as much as I like Eric Anders, it's kind of an, uh, an irrational liking. I like him more at middleweight than at 205. He's a little too small for 205, uh, frame-wise. I mean, he, he He's never small for any division he's in. He's a fucking huge boy. He's he's massive. I mean, he's he's thick. He's thick and he's scary. Um, please take that out of context. But um, no, he he he's he's a very powerful striker. But outside of that, you know, which is is very legitimate. He could knock out Andre Muniz. I'm not saying that's not possible. But his cardio is not that great. His wrestling is not that good. And his striking is kind of not that not that good. He's just really powerful. He's really fucking powerful. You got to mind your p's and q's. But I think if you don't fall asleep at the wheel, Muniz probably wins this wins it wins this fight. He doesn't get hit a whole lot. Eric Anders gets hit more than he lands. And you know Muniz picks his he picks his shot. I mean, forty five percent significant strike defense, which so that's not super great. So the 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 punch could happen. But he's so active on the ground. Uh, Andrews does have 76% takedown defense, so it might it might take a, li- a little bit for Andre Muniz. You know that's that's good takedown defense, but very active on the ground. And if the fight goes to the ground, he'll he, Andre Muniz will choke him out. That's 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 for true. If I was Eric Anders, I, I wouldn't even block a fucking punch. I would I, I would just hands down all the time, just trying to stop a takedown. I would not be worried about the power of Muniz as as, as much as I'd worry about the ground skills. Uh, of Muniz. Um, that being said, when it's all said and done, uh, I, I think uh, Muniz. So I, I wrote in the article, uh, Muniz is going to beat Eric Anders via round one submission. I, I think upon further consideration, I'm, I'm going to make it round three. I think this fight lasts a little bit. I think Muniz maybe works works Eric Anders out on the feet a little bit, drains his cardio. Anders has the good takedown defense, so you know maybe the fight will last a little longer than than I initially anticipated. But you know I think Muniz has a lot more tools in the old tool toolbox than your boy Eric Anders. All right, we're gonna move on to the women's flyweight division. We'll have a fight between Aaron Blanchfield and Miranda Maverick. Blanchfield seven and one, Miranda Maverick nine and three. She's also gonna be ranked at number fourteen in the North Star Sports uh, rankings. We'll take a look at the odds here. Miranda Maverick, the slight minus 140 favorite. Um, an, an interesting fight. I don't really know the reason for putting this together. I don't understand the reason for putting two young prospects together. Uh, Maverick's only 24. 
Blanchfield 22. Um, it, it's a fight that we could easily see rebooked a few years from now. I think both these fighters are the, are the future of the sport, certainly the future of their division. It's unfortunate that, uh, well, I think Miranda Maverick's going to win, so it's unfortunate that Aaron Blanchfield's going to have a loss this early in her UFC career because there's not really, not really a reason to put this fight together. But um, they're both highly touted. I, I just think they're at different points in their career. And, you know, when you're talking about a 22-year-old and a 24-year-old, that two-year gap is a lot more significant than a two-year gap between a 34-year-old and a, and a 32-year-old, you know. Uh, so, you know, when, when, when you're that young in the game, I mean, two years is a fucking huge difference. And you look at Miranda Maverick, she's had three fights in the UFC, three wins in the UFC, in my opinion, because I think it's a... I think it was an actual robbery, and you guys know I don't use that often. I really refrain from using robbery because people use it to describe every decision they disagree with. That was a bona fide robbery uh, in, in the Macy Barber fight because Macy Barber lost every single round of that fight. So, you know, Maverick is just well-rounded. She's a good striker, improving striker, great on the ground, physically imposing for someone who's 5'3". Um, so I think she's going to be too much for Blanchfield. I don't think Blanchfield's going to have a whole lot of success. She's very talented. Both of these fighters could be in the top five, you know, two or three years from now. Maverick probably a lot sooner. The, the two or three years, I guess, is more for, for Blanchfield. But I, I just, it's, it's too much. I, I, I just don't like it. I don't think you're matching up two fighters appropriately. I'd like to see Blanchfield fight... Priscilla Cashueta or uh, fucking Antonina Shevchenko or something. That might, that might even be too much. I mean, you don't want to necessarily baby somebody when they come to the UFC, but you also want to kind of kind of match people up at the same level to kind of see where they're at. And I don't... So, you know, if Aaron Blanchfield loses this fight, what, what did we learn? What do we learn? She lost to somebody in the rankings in her second fight? I mean, she wasn't in the UFC three months ago, so it's just, I don't know what you learn. And if Maverick beats her, what do you learn? That that she has way more experience than Blanchfield? It's just it's just one of those things where I, you know, you got to fight, you got to make money, you got to put fights together, you got to fill out a card. But I, I don't really understand the purpose of this fight, so it's a little unfortunate. Moving on to the featherweight division, we'll have Ryan Hall taking on Derek Minner. Hall is 8-2, Derek Minner 26-12. Taking a look at the odds for this one, Ryan Hall, the minus 210 favorite. Um, Taylor-made matchup for, for Ryan Hall. I mean, uh, we, we saw him get exposed in his last fight against Ilya Tapuria. Uh, you know, Ryan Hall is he's a one-trick pony. This, this guy cannot strike... Uh, and and he's, he's, he's got one trick. Now, the one trick is very good. That's a very good trick to have. His one trick is better than a lot of people's best trick, but it's all he has, and in MMA, you can't do that. Ryan Hall would be a fucking legend of the sport if he was around in the, in the you know, the 90s, but it's just you, 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 you have to have some degree of well-roundedness to have success in the UFC. He got exposed by Tapuria. That being said, again, like I said it's a tailor-made matchup. Derek Minner probably has better striking, but he is a, a, a he's a veteran uh, of of the regional scene, and he he's a he's a ground specialist. That that's what he is. Uh, you know, so we have two submission fighters, and uh, we'll we'll see how we'll see how it plays out. 
you, you know what I mean? Maybe Ryan Hall is maybe Ryan Hall is a better striker for for all I know against Derek Minner. I mean, who who knows? But uh, I I think neither fighter will shy away. You know, sometimes like Askren and Damian Maya. Sometimes sometimes when you put two submission guys, uh, two ground guys against each other, sometimes we see a kickboxing match. I don't think we'll see that here. I think Ryan Hall is confident on the ground. He will always want to fight on the ground, and no matter the opponent. And I think Derek Minner will probably just say, fuck it, let's fight on the ground. I mean, Derek Minner, especially in the first round, and especially with, um, uh, what the hell is his uh, his favorite choke? Uh, well, he gets a lot of rear naked. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't think Derek Minner will shy away either. I think this is actually going to be one of those rare um, situations where they're just going to say, hey, let's see who's better on the ground. I think a lot of people would think Ryan Hall is. We're going to get to the bottom of it. Ultimately, I pick Ryan Hall to uh, choke out Derek Minner in uh, round two. All right, moving on to the second fight on the early prelims. is going to be between Randy, the Zohan, Costa, and Tony Kelly. Costa 6-2, Kelly 7-2. Matchup here, two relatively inexperienced but scrappy strikers. Uh, Costa's really had to grow up in the UFC. He's had four UFC fights. He has split them right down the middle. Uh, he's he's long. He's lanky. Five foot nine. Uh, very good reach for bantamweight. Seventy three inches. I'd love to know his leg reach as well. He's got a very uh, long uh, leg reach, and he's powerful. He's he's powerful. Um, almost had Adrian Yanez. Uh, out of there in his last fight before Yanez turned it around in the second round and and knocked him out. But he's he's looked good. He's powerful. His two wins are first round knockouts. I could very easily see him. Uh, and I just I just realized I didn't even put a prediction on this fight, so I have to go back and edit it. Uh, Randy Costa round one knockout. I think he knocks out Tony Kelly. I don't think too much about him. He's on a pretty sizable uh, layoff. He hasn't fought in 14 months. Uh, his only win is over Ali Alkaisi, who does not have a win in the UFC. Kind of got worked over by Kai Kamaka III, who's no longer in the UFC. So um, I, I, I just like Costa. I think he's the better striker. And, uh, you know, I think it'll be a pretty short one. Uh, they'll have to go back to the booth pretty quickly on this one, in my estimation. And all right, we finally arrived. The prelim headliner, Priscilla Cashueta and Jillian Robertson. Uh, Cachoeira 10 and 3, Robertson 9 and 6. We'll take a look at the odds for this one. Robertson, uh, pretty heavy, minus 400 favorite. I'd say that's pretty accurate. Um, Cachoeira surprised me. I certainly did not expect her to be here. She's a fighter who, in her UFC debut, drew Valentina Shevchenko, uh, got historically, historically dominated, and then uh, lost two decisions. Uh, one to Molly McCann and one to Luana Carolina. I would have figured that she would have been cut, but since then, sprung the upset, knocked out Shana Dobson in 40 seconds, came back, knocked out Gina Mazzani. Uh, those are two very low-level fighters, but I'm surprised from Cashueta. She's kind of turned it around, uh, carved out a little, a little, you know, a little hole here in the UFC. You know, it's the it's the winter time. You know, she carved out a knot in the tree, and you know, she'll survive the winter. Um, but she's going up against a very talented fighter in Jillian Robertson, someone who I, I, I'm a fan of, but she's frustrating. She's frustratingly talented because um, she'll have she'll have these really awesome performances where you go, wow, I mean, that really kind of seems like someone who's going to figure into the title picture at 125 sooner rather than later. But then she'll just have these losses where you just go, what, what the fuck are we doing? 
what are we doing? She's very, very talented on the ground. Definitely a ground fighter. Her striking is not that good. She's been exposed on the feet, but in her last two losses, she's been exposed on the ground. So it really kind of puts it into perspective where she is in the totem pole. Um, you know, I got out wrestled by Miranda Maverick, out wrestled by Talia Santos, who's in the top five now. So not a lot of shame in that, but she's, she's losing a lot of fights recently. She's lost three of her last five. Um, so I don't, I don't really know where she is. I think she's better than Cashweta, so she'll beat Cashweta. But listen, she's kind of one of those fighters that's, that's really talented, will look very, very good. Uh, and she's a finisher. She'll choke fighters out. But she's kind of at that point where she'll beat fighters who, are, who she's better than and lose to fighters that, that she's not supposed to win, you know. So something's, something's got to change. Maybe something clicks. Nine and six, you know, does not look like a good record that's not really a record you you, you want to have but um i think against cashway she she's she's gonna win i think she'll choke her out in round three uh you know she'll i think she'll regress back to the mean actually well in this case progress to the mean because she's on a two-fight losing streak but she's she's kind of like kirk cousins in a way you know just always moves towards average you know if you're too high you get knocked down if you're too low uh you get you get uh knocked up uh again a weird way of putting it but uh, you know, I, I think that she's just too talented to lose to Pr- Priscilla Cashweta, but she really, 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 really needs to mind her P's and Q's with with the striking because Cashweta has turned out to be a little bit of a striker here. So you don't really want to fuck around with Cashweta. She will knock you out, but uh, I think uh, Jillian Robertson wins this one. All right, so with that, we've reached the end of our uh, preview here for UFC 269. So uh, if you liked this, please give us a five-star review wherever you're uh, listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at NorthStarSports.media or Owen Ely MN. Check out our website at NorthStarSports.media. Actually, I fucked that up. NorthStarMIN. Actually, did I? I've had way too much caffeine today. I don't even know what's going on. You guys know... You know the thing. You know the thing. It's like Joe Biden. You know the thing. You guys know to go to northstarsports.media or owenealy.com because they, they go to the same spot. Uh, you know, check out our written preview. Check out our rankings. They are updated. We'll update them. Uh, tomorrow we'll have them out, you know, fresh off the, the, the press right away. So, uh, you know, we're, we're staying on top of things. And... Uh, yeah, we'll also have the main card, main card showdown as well tomorrow. So it, it's a big time. It's a fun time. You know, spread some of the holiday cheer and, and show some love for North Star Sports. And uh, outside of that, you know, thanks for tuning in, everybody.